This is Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. The unofficial podcast companion for Ray Dalio's book, Principles. This podcast will deeply explore the book and principles. The podcast is hosted by Micah Bays and John Sextro. Micah has a PhD in philosophy and has taught numerous college philosophy courses, including The Meaning of Life, Ethics, and Reason and Argument. John shares his perspective from years of experience trying to live out Ray's principles in his life and work. And you can follow us on Twitter. Micah is at Micah Bays, all one word. And I am at John Sextro, all one word. And now, this week's episode. I'm Micah Bays. I'm John Sextro, and we're back here with Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. In this episode, we're on to Principle 2.4, which says, design a plan. This is the mid-level principle of higher-level Principle 2, which talks about the five-step process. And so we're in the midst still of talking about that five-step process. Uh, We just recently, Micah, talked about diagnosis. And so we've moved past sort of identifying where we think we've where the root of the problem is, where the root cause of the problem exists. And what we're trying to get to now is figuring out how do we get ourselves out of that situation? How are we going to think about designing a way to get ourselves out of, out of that situation? And not just to... Well, so I guess part of the plan might be to recover from where we are. If there was something bad happened, we need to recover from that. But more importantly, how do we prevent the cause from occurring again and creating that problem for us? So where we begin here is the first sub-principle within Design a Plan says to go back before you go forward. And I think, the, I think this is sort of obvious. Um, it's good advice, nonetheless. You know, think about, think through what happened. What, what were the steps that occurred? And, and a lot of these ask us to sort of take a look at at the things that occurred, but don't just run right into, okay, I, I, I know what I'm going to do to fix this. Really take a minute to look back across what happened. What were the things that I had been doing? And I mean, really walking yourself through it. Now, it's hard to talk about each of these on, on their own merit a little bit because I think they all start to cross over uh, with each other in terms of how they are suggesting that we go about designing a plan. Micah, do you do you think that this is this is good advice to to go back before going forward before you really get into designing a plan? Have you have you done this yourself? What are what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, you know, I think you know, as far as you know, yeah, go back before you go forward. Right, just taking account of you know how you got here. What are the things, the circumstances that led you to your current situation? Because of course that speaks to or is going to inform right how you prevent the problem that you're currently having. And so wanting to keep that in mind in particular, right? As you do design a plan, you want that plan to take account of the circumstances that led to the problem in the first place. I think sometimes when you're just in the moment and if you haven't if you haven't spent some time sort of sitting with it, that parts of what you experienced and and how you experienced them start to start to lose their focus or you they become less important to you. And I really have, I really think we talked a little bit about previously being a, looking at it as like you're a doctor or you're a, you're a detective trying to solve, solve a, a crime or trying to cure a, a condition. You know, you've got to really look back and, and consider all of the things that occurred. Right. If we move on for a second to the next sub principle, which says, think about your problem as a set of outcomes produced by a machine. 
I always found that this particular one, Mike, has sort of helped me look at things more objectively. Um, what what what's the outcome that's produced? So you know, really, if you think about what a machine does, if you if you're thinking about a, a machine that that produces something as opposed to maybe destructs something or whatever, uh, you know, the machine has an output that it creates. And what was it that you were trying to accomplish? What was the output that you were trying to get from your machine? So that you're you're able to very sharply put a put your finger on what did I want to get out of this and does that comport with what I was trying to do did the two did did somehow the two things get out of whack did what I really want to get out of the machine was that like a byproduct or a subproduct of some some other thing that was going on or was it did I really make it the most important outcome of my machine is for the whatever this thing is to happen. And if I look at that objectively, you know, I wanted to get a gallon of milk. Well, I I got a, I accidentally got a loaf of bread. Oh, well, you know, I didn't I got some supplies, but I didn't precisely get the outcome that I expected to get from my machine. So why is that? What went wrong? Right. Yeah. You talked about, you know, being, making it easier to be objective about it. And I think in part, you know, when people are involved in the process, it be, can be difficult to evaluate people objectively. Um, I think there's certainly a, for most of us at least, there's a desire to not hurt other people or you know to place blame and that sort of thing. But if you just step back and think, okay, I'm not really going to worry about blame at this point. I'm just going to say, all right, here's the things that went on. Here's the people involved. Here's how each person contributed to this overall process. And where did it go wrong? And it might be that, you know, Micah did such and you know, that is what left, um, or that's what created the problem. But you're not thinking of it in terms of blame, like, well, okay, so Micah's a really bad person or Micah's lazy or something. You know, that could be true. But uh, it's more of just, hey, what, what are the processes, including the people, and allows you to just think about how are you, you going to fix it? How are you going to fix that process? That's a good point. You bring other... I think you're starting to bring other people into the domain space that we're talking about here. And I think on the smallest scale, we're looking at this from the perspective of ourselves and maybe things that that we individually are doing. And what you've started to do, Mike, is you're you're increasing that sphere of of influence here that we're using. And I think it's important what you said. You 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 called yourself out as a person who was you were behaving in some manner, in some maybe in some role in the process in that machine that that was being used. I think that when you look at this objectively, it's important at times to even even remove the names of the individuals that maybe were were acting in in a particular role or or carrying out a part of a part of the machine, a part of the job. Just initially, I, I think it's also important to evaluate the people themselves that are acting in those roles and in those jobs. But just in terms of initially mapping things out and looking back at your machine to just say someone acted in a particular way and uh, this is what they did. And you don't need to have a name there. So at, th- at that point, it's because then that just sort of lays out for you and it helps you again, think objectively in a, uh, in a work environment or in a community environment, a, a team setting in a lot of ways, it could have been, it could have been any one member of a team or a group or a community that might've been doing that thing. So I think it's important to to think of it just in terms of what was the role, like you're the project manager or you're the engineer or you're the safety inspector, or you, you know, all those different roles that might be interacting on something to this level. Any any person could be doing 
the safety inspection or the engineer work. It could be any number of people, maybe. Uh, but knowing what role it was or what persona, we often say persona, as we're thinking about these roles, are doing these things to identify clearly identify uh, objectively how th- things are interacting with our machine, what they're doing, what they're responsible for, and what the effects, what effects they had on our outcome. Yeah. So this idea of you know, thinking um, about your problem as a set of outcomes produced by a machine. Uh, so this last Thanksgiving, um, we hosted Thanksgiving for the first time, and uh, I was in charge of the cooking. Um, actually like cooking Uh-oh. pretty well. Yeah, no, I'm, I like it. I think I'm pretty decent. I'm not like a chef or anything, but sure. Um, especially like grilling or smoking barbecue. But, uh, anyways, we, uh, we were in charge of Thanksgiving. And one of the things I certainly am prone to do is have dinner later, have it ready later than intended. Um, and I know certainly a part of the problem for me is that I want everything to be done right at when it's supposed to be due. So I don't want to do anything prior to that time and then have it sit there and be cold. I think that's a good goal. I mean, I, I think that's what people would want. They want it ready just in time and not not ready too early, but you're having the alternate effect of it's being late. Right, because right? it's very unlikely that all things will get ready right on time. Well, and it's so hard. If anything runs late, takes a little longer, then you know it ends up being 30 minutes or an hour later. Yeah. Make sure you have appetizers out. Um, but you know, one of the things for me that I did and, you know, most probably smart people do this, which I obviously haven't been is I worked backwards. So one, I relied on my own memory to determine when I should like put things in the oven and so on. And so in an effort to have a good outcome of everything actually being ready on time, I actually got an Excel spreadsheet out and looked at when, how long each thing was supposed to cook and how long it was supposed to cook for or what temperature it was supposed to cook and how long it was supposed to cook for. And then I worked backwards to say, okay, so when does this thing need to go in if it's going to be ready? And then I had that Excel spreadsheet. So as I was cooking, I could easily reference it as opposed to have to think through multiple times. Oh, wait, what are all the things I'm cooking and what time is that supposed to be in? You know, I saw myself as a part of this machine, right? To get the intended outcome of food all being ready at the right time. And, you know, I could have said, well, Michael, you're just a dummy, you know, you can't remember everything. But instead it was, okay, well, what can I do to improve this process to make it more likely to achieve that desired outcome? You know, I had this spreadsheet and actually worked out pretty well, although I think the turkey took a little bit longer to cook. But besides that, everything else was, I think, ready. And so worked out pretty good. When you created your spreadsheet, you... And you start it from like, okay, this is when everything should be done. The, or, or did you have... Are there multiple like periods of output throughout the course of of the delivery of the dinner? Uh, for me, I wanted everything to be ready at like six o'clock or five o'clock. So this is this even seems harder because it's sort of multiple things all landing at the exact same moment. Right. Yes. And so I had several things in the oven, and you know, one thing I wish I could do is have two ovens. Sure. I don't have that yet. That's a goal of mine. Because um, then you could get stuff ready, and then you could have a just a warming oven. But I didn't have that option. So, and then, so I had to just put everything in to be done at the right time. But even then, there was a problem in that some foods were supposed to cook at like 375 and some at 325. So you kind of had to meet in the middle. Uh, that's tough. So you even have, there's constraints to your environment, you know, constraints to the tools you have available, to the, the capabilities you have available. In your case, the number of ovens you can run at any given time. Right. Uh, actually, I did grill the turkey. Um, I so you have a gas Weber gas grill, Weber. If you'd like to sponsor this, that'd be awesome. But I used it as an oven, and um, it worked out really well. 
We operate the podcast on the value for value model. We're entirely listener supported. If you enjoy the podcast and find value in the information and entertainment you receive, visit our website at daliosprinciples.fireside.fm slash donate. You can also help us grow by promoting us on social media. So get out there and tell all of your friends about the podcast and help us spread the word. And now back to the show. So when you were creating your plan, did you ever, did you ever find yourself walking, walking through in your mind, like how everything was going to work out and almost like visualizing over time how the, how your, how your plan, how your cooking plan was going to work out? Yes. John, I think you're referring to a sub principle uh, that says, think of your plan as a movie script that you visualize what you'll do through time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's interesting because I think we naturally do this in our, in our minds when we're thinking about how we're going to approach something, you sort of act it out as a movie, uh, a, a movie that runs in your brain. This was something we, we actually talked Micah a little bit about this a long time ago in the, in the, in internet time <laughs> it, it, earlier in the podcast about uh, the capability that human beings have to run this run this simulation uh, almost as like an, an artificial intelligence or an augmented reality or a virtual reality i guess in our in this case really it's a virtual reality where you're 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 projecting yourself into these circumstances and these situations and imagining how things will play out like a movie would yeah, i think one of the benefits of doing that is Right, you know, so Ray talks about you know, yeah, think of it like a movie script, and he says, yeah, you can sketch out your plan broadly at first, right? You don't have to fill in all the details, but you sketch out broadly, and then you do go back and you want to refine it, and you do want to fill in the details. And I think one of the benefits there is that you are more likely to identify unknowns or things that maybe you really haven't figured out. You know, a lot of times when you think, okay, I'm going to go and accomplish this goal, if you think you have a plan, you may just have a vague sense of, oh yeah, I think I'll know how to do that. And then you start to try to actually carry out the plan and you realize, oh, there's a lot more difficulties here than I realized. And if you take the time to create that plan initially, right, to really sketch it out and in detail, you're going to find those problems sooner, right, which can be really beneficial because if you've gone down one path thinking that you know how to do it and then you discover, oh, no, there's some things I don't know how to do or some things didn't work quite right, you may have to do quite a bit of backtracking. When uh, when I first came across this this part of the book and these sub principles particularly and the one about the movie, this one about the movie, my initial reaction was he's wrong about this movie script thing. It's not a movie script at all. In my mind, I had imagined it as, as something different. And, and today I, I can't even remember what it was, uh, but I, I remember sort of vehemently saying, I'm not going to consider this a movie script. Cause that's, that's not it. <laughs> I was convinced. <laughs> and then over time, the more and more, I went through these steps and went through this process. I started to I started to realize that I'm essentially playing this movie script out in my mind over and over again. And just as you mentioned, for and for all of the reasons that you mentioned, so that I could I could um, re-navigate myself through that movie script and see where there might be problems or dead ends or points of contention, like in your cooking scenario. Oh my mm. gosh, I only have one oven. That's, I can't, what can I do? Mm -hmm. uh, and working through those things in this, in this visualized sense. And then I, I, I fell very quickly into, okay, yes, movie script. Ray was right. I, uh, I accept that it's it, the movie script is the right metaphor. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a, 
So on the software team I'm currently on, my tech lead is huge on diagramming out. Um, you know, when we're going to write some code, we actually, you know, he forces me to forces me. I'm putting that in quotes, but I, I guess it's forced, but um, he strongly and, encourages you. Yes. Um, to diagram out, you know, what it's going to look like and how are you going to get there just kind of conceptually. And it's something I felt like, oh, I should have done for a while because I know I'm a visual learner. And if I write code with someone else and they haven't diagrammed it out and they just kind of tell me what's going to go, what's going to happen, it's hard for me to really visualize that and understand everything that's going to happen. Um, but by being forced uh, to diagram out what's going to happen, that's definitely helped, one, my own comprehension of what I'm about to do. But it also gives me a point of reference I can look back, right? As I'm doing the plan, you know, sometimes you might reconsider, well, wait, what, why am I doing this? Or where am I in this plan? And so if you have this sketched out, it's easy to reference it. And you don't have to, again, remind, rely on your own memory, but you've got that information right there. So I've just really found that especially valuable. I also think it's valuable when you do have other people involved. You know, If you have this sketched out, diagrammed, it's not just in your head anymore. People have a point of reference for themselves to be able to understand it and understand the plan. Yeah. And when you're doing that activity of, you know, movie scripting it or in, as you're talking about, Micah, sketching it out again, I think there's some important things to consider there about, are you working with other people? Are you working alone? And uh, to, if you're working with other people, there are just other huge benefits to sketching it out in, in a, in a real world way and laying things out that way uh, so that others can, can see your mental model, can see, how you're thinking about things, what your what your perspective to the problem brings, and and how you're seeing it, because we could both be looking at the same problem from different angles there, and and be seeing different solutions. I also found uh, through implementing these sub principles of our mid level principle design a plan that it benefited me to also sort of flip it around, flip it on its head, and look at it from. What is the outcome that I, what's my desired outcome? What did I want to get backwards to the beginning of it? Uh, because you know, if I just went and mapped out, just wrote down or mapped out what I had done, there might be some things that are not optimal, that are wasteful, where they, I didn't need to do them, or I didn't need to do them in that order. And to think about things in reverse, sort of like you did with your cooking plan, where you started with, I need it done by 6 p.m., work my way back. So backing into some of those things, I think that's very beneficial as well in terms of visualizing this. And I, I mean, I'm not, I'm no author, certainly not a, a fiction author, but I wonder sometimes if, if that's how authors begin, do they really come up with like, do they come up with the plot or do they come up with like the ending mm-hmm. first? You know, it's like, Oh, and the hero, the hero gets the, saves the day and gets a pile of money and da da, and, and I'm going to, so now I need to back into how all of those things are going to occur in a in an entertaining way. Right. Yeah, right. There's that phrase, begin with the end in mind, right? I think that's roughly what's kind of being said here. Yeah, we've kind of talked here about how you know we want to write down our plan for everyone to see, right? Everyone who's going to be involved in the plan. The other part of this is that it allows you to measure your progress against the plan. Um, you can see as you're going along, are you hitting you know those various things that you want to occur? that you set in your plan? Are those, have those actually happened? And where are you in that process? There's an interesting book, Micah, that is published by a medical doctor. I forget the medical doctor's name. Uh, I'll try and look it up and include it in the show notes. But the name of the book is The Checklist Manifesto. I think oh, yeah. a tool go on day. There you go. I think we've, 
We've, we may have talked about this before. We absolutely have. Yeah. Right. And, and that's sort of like the ability to, to track that progress is taking a plan, turning it into a checklist and then being able to sort of track, I mean, track progress in terms of, did I cross over like all of the steps that I said I was going to cross over? Mm-hmm. But I'm interested in your opinion on, on this, Mike, I sort of, and I guess maybe it's been a pop culture sort of thing here lately. And so you, you don't, I don't think you have to be a psychologist or a scientist to necessarily have an opinion on it. That when you write something down, when you write a, or when you share it, not, it's not write down. I'm mistaken. When you share a goal with other people that you're less likely to achieve that goal the thinking being that you already got the little dopamine hit from sharing with someone, hey, I'm going to achieve this. I'm, I'm planning to achieve this goal. Right. Yeah, I've, I've heard this recently as well. Um, I don't remember where I heard it, but um, if you're on the interwebs, uh, probably on Twitter. Um, yeah. That's a, um, that's a valid source. <laughs> well, hopefully it was backed by uh, some psychology, you know, studies or something. Um, so one is, I guess, you know, even if that's true, you know, there's a question about people who, who you can have, you might say, different circumstances in which you share it. Do you share it just verbally or do you share it and then tell people to hold you accountable to it? Right. And so maybe it's people who just share it, right, without saying, hey, now you need to hold me accountable and here's what's going to happen if I don't do it. Those people maybe are less likely to actually do it. Whereas maybe someone who shares their goal and then has people who, you know, they ask to hold them accountable and, presumably have some kind of negative consequence if they don't follow through on it. Or a positive one too. Like you've mentioned in the past where people will do things like say, we're going to throw a hundred bucks in. And you know, if I, if I, if I don't lose 10 pounds, then you get to keep my hundred dollars. Right. You know? So there's, in that case, it's like, well, it's going to cost me a hundred bucks. Yeah. But if you and I are in like a competition, who can lose 10 pounds the quickest, then one of us could come away with an extra hundred. True. Yeah. But yeah, we could do some kind of reinforcement, whether positive or negative. Um, and so maybe in those cases, sharing your goal isn't going to you know reduce the chance that you actually complete your goal. Yeah, I think in your in the case and the way you present it, which makes a lot of sen- lot more sense to me in terms of why you share the goal. Your reasoning for sharing the goal is to have others help hold you accountable, as opposed to just going on Twitter and saying. Today I'm starting my 10 pound weight loss journey, you know, hashtag weight loss or something. <laughs> Throw a hashtag in there for good measure. Of course. Uh, because then you sort of get that, that hit of success, dopamine success there as opposed to, okay, now is anybody that you're engaged with there going to, going to help make sure you follow through on that and help hold you accountable. Right. And especially if you sort of have a detailed movie script style plan, you know, like, okay, no more sweets, no more snacks at work. People around me at work could sort of be like, "Hey, you're, what are you doing? You're, you're you said no more snacks. You know, you, you're having a snack, mm-hmm. so they can see that." And and I, and I think you also have to enter into some sort of a, a trust based relationship with people where they you, you'll ask them and they'll tell you for the, for that information where you're saying like, "Yeah, I want. I'm saying this to you." for the purpose of, of you to help me and, and help hold me accountable and help me accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish here. Right. Rather than just being like beating up on you or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And then finally understanding and recognizing that this doesn't have to take a lot of time. I thought that was a, that was interesting because I guess I've thought that already that the time would be worth it. But what do you think the, what's in, what, why is it important to mention this? Uh, you know, I think I know, I mean, I have a tendency to maybe if I, 
have some goal in mind, it's easy for me. I mean, even just like a story or a feature at work, you know, for writing some software code to get a feature done, it's easy to want to just go ahead and start writing the code, right? Because you feel like you're being productive. Whereas if you feel like, oh, I'm going to write out my plan for how to do this, that doesn't feel productive. Like that doesn't feel like work and feel like you're kind of just pushing off the real work. And so I think there's a temptation to want to just jump in and you know dive in and start doing the work and presume that, oh, I know how to figure it all out as I go. And in part, I think, so one, I think it's because of that, that you just want the feeling of getting work done. But two, I do think maybe it seems like it's going to take longer if you write out the plan first. But I suspect that in most cases, you know, if it's moderately com- complicated stuff that you're doing, taking the time out to just write the plan will actually make you faster in the long run. And so I think that's in part why he's pointing to the fact that it doesn't have to take a long time. Because, I mean, you could get into analysis paralysis or you could get overly detailed. Yes. The level of detail that's really needed, you can probably, you know, as he says, you know, you can knock this out in an hour. Maybe it's a few hours. It's going to depend how complicated it is. And it's also going to depend on how much you really understand of your plan in the first place, right? Because it could be that as you get into it, you realize, oh, there's some unknowns here and I've got to figure that out. So recently, you know, I had to come up with a plan for an experiment at work. You know, I sat down for probably 30 minutes, an hour, and I realized I really didn't know how I wanted the experiment to go. And so I gave myself, you know, time to just kind of ruminate on it over the course of several weeks. And instead of forcing myself to come up with a plan right away, now you don't always have that, you know, leisure. You don't always have that ability to push something off, but I didn't. And so I gave myself the time to really think about it. So it probably was over the course of about four weeks. But as far as actual time sitting down, writing it, probably just a couple hours. I think the first hour and then I just kind of had it in the back of my head for quite a while and just would think about it you know, as I was going for a walk or whatever. And then I finally came up with a plan I was really pleased with. And I thought, okay, this is really good. So of course, we'll have to see how this experiment plays out. It's interesting that you came at it from that angle. Uh, and I'm glad you did. And also kudos to Dalio in this case, because I think he's able to walk a fine line and, and actually touch on both sides of, of what can occur. One being that you, 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 you spend very little time planning, almost zero time and jump right in because you want to feel like you're fixing something and you're doing something. And the other side of that coin being analysis paralysis, where you actually, you actually feel like you're doing the most important work by, by going through every corner case and every scenario and you're thinking about it from every angle and and you're spending hours and hours and hours sort of planning out your laying out your design for your plan. And what what Ray hits here with this is it shouldn't be zero time, but it also shouldn't be this protracted planning phase. It should just be enough. Right. Some sm- smallish amount of time. Yeah, and I think it goes back to that other sub principle. I don't know if we actually mentioned it or not, but um you know he says there are, um, see, remember, there are typically many paths to achieving your goals, right? So you don't need to worry about finding the one and only solution. There's multiple ways to do it. And as long as it's good enough, then go with it. Yeah, I, I often have found myself stuck where I'll find a solution. I will have found a solution to, or, or a better way, a, a way that fixes my my problem, solves my root cause. But I I get caught thinking, well, is this really the best way? Could I cut out one more step or, uh, or, you know, make it a little bit more efficient? And I'm like, well, it, good enough. It, because if, and if you look at this from the perspective of you don't have to get it perfect, you just want to fix it. And then you can deal with this. It, you can loop. That's what this, this whole five-step process is about is looping and, and making it better every time 
making it a little better and feeling like, yeah, I am this. There's parts of this that are like repetitive or unnecessary. Well, I can consider that a, a time to take another loop through the five step process uh, yeah. to, to fix it. Right. Yeah. You can refine your process a little bit more if it needs it. Yeah, maybe can, it doesn't. I can iterate. Yep. It doesn't have to be perfect. Okay. So that wraps up mid-level principle 2.4 design a plan and all of the sub principles that go along with it. Next time we'll be back with mid-level principle 2.5, which says push through to completion. Thanks, Micah. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening. Let's keep the conversation going on our subreddit, Dalio's principles at reddit.com. The subreddit is Dalio's principles, all one word. Join us to interact with a community of like-minded individuals. 